It's time now for another edition of Roarman's Raging Softball Report. Everything Louisiana softball. Now, here's your host, loving Louisiana softball since 1981. It's the Roar Man. Hello, and welcome into another edition of my softball podcast. I am the Roar Man. I really do appreciate you tuning in. Joining me now on the podcast, the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, Lonnie Alameda. Coach, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Rory. Exciting times right now. Softball is right around the corner, so exciting. Yeah, it absolutely is. So when I interview coaches for the first time, I like to talk about the coaches' playing days and their coaching history. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you played college softball at St. Mary's in San Antonio, Texas as a pitcher. Then you transferred to Oklahoma where you played first base and third base. So what was it like going from a small school to a big school? And did you prefer being a pitcher or an infielder? I loved hitting. So I think that however I can get on the field to contribute, you know, I wanted to to do so I could stay in the lineup and hit. So I think that's where uh, my memories are, um, gosh, third base, so much fun. The hot box back in the day was different because the short game was a big part of it where now, my goodness, as a third baseman, you're looking at a kid that can bunt, slap, and flat out hit. So it's like way different. Um, first base was a lot of fun because you could pick the ball. So, Roy, I don't know if I could answer. Um, right. I just think we literally enjoyed playing the game, and, you know, it was a, a lot of fun. So after that, you played in Europe professionally for a year. What was that like? Yeah, I was pretty lucky to go play uh, in Osterhout uh, for the Gambro Twins uh, in Holland. Um, and then I traveled around with the Trail Blazers and we went on to different countries and did clinics and handed out uh, softball gear to kids. Um, and then I actually took teams over to Holland for the years after that. So um, just the experience of the game, you know, uh, I just I so appreciate that I get to be paid for my hobby, <laughs> so to speak, you know, I mean, you talk about pickleball and how much fun you had with that. And to imagine that something you love doing all the time and then you're getting paid for it. And so uh, my, I guess, foundation of that is playing softball after college and playing in Europe and and just being able to see this game in so many different countries and at so many different levels. And so my experience of doing that um, just enriched my life. And I'm just trying to give back to these kids um, through the opportunities that I had. So just very grateful for the people that I met and the, and the things that I was able to see through the game. Yeah, it was absolutely uh, a much easier life when you really enjoy what you're doing like you do. So at that point in your life, did you know you wanted to be a college softball coach? I did not know. I wanted to be a ESPN broadcaster. That's kind of where <laughs> I wanted to go. Um my boyfriend at the time was playing major league baseball and I got to hang around the parks all the time. And, um, I loved that. I loved, you know, I was one that could go early and I would hang out at the stadiums and, you know, during BP. And I just, I was just, I'm just drawn to the game. I love the game. I love sports. And, um, so I just wanted to be around it. And I just thought broadcasting would be a really cool way. My fifth year at Oklahoma, I worked with the baseball team and I was in the sports information department, just helping out a little bit. So it was intriguing to me. Um, that part of it. So um, in reality, I don't know if I wanted to be a coach because coaching really wasn't, it wasn't really a career for females. You know, it wasn't really the opportunities. And 
Um, my head coach at Oklahoma was married to the golf coach and um, it was just a way different profession then. Uh, and then I'm lucky that my path took a couple left turns and right turns and, you know, I ended up getting the opportunity to do it. And, um, you know, I remember my dad one time and I tell this story all the time, but he's like, what are you going to do when the softball thing's over, you know? And like, so lucky it's a career now and it's not over and, uh, it, you know, it's just really cool. So, um, but I did always want to be in sports. So I'm lucky that I'm a part of continuing to grow this game but also just to be around so many women that are going to take the game to a higher level that are currently playing. So somehow you, you ended up being an assistant coach at Barry university in Miami shores, Florida. Then you went to Stanford as an assistant coach. You were there for eight years and you got your first head coaching job at UNLV where, and you were there for five years. So here's an interesting note. While you were at UNLV, you also helped the Canadian national softball team make it to the Beijing Olympics where they finished fourth. They just missed meddling. So how did that come about? And how did you juggle those two jobs? Yeah. Um, so through my, I guess, endeavors of trying to learn the game, you know, the best I can, I just, I've always been intrigued by the knowledge of it. Um, I've really gotten into the men's fast pitch part. So um, I did a lot of camps at USF and Kenny Erickson was down there and he had men's fast pitch players. And um, one of them was uh, Mark Smith, who's one of the best men's players out of Canada. And he's like, man, you should come up. And he was with men's team at the time. And he's like, you should come up and work with our women's team. And this is back in the nineties, late nineties. And so I started doing camps up there and uh, was able to get around the national team a bit, help out with pitching and just a few things. And so, um, but then later, you know, I feel like an honorary Canadian now, you know, I've been a part of a couple Olympics with them and, um, you know, I wear the Maple Leaf proud, even though, you know, I'm American, but for the game of softball, uh, we've helped grow worldly the game of softball through how well team Canada has done. And so, um, so I'm so grateful for Mark Smith and Ken Erickson for, you know, just that little avenue to, to get me involved in that and, um, been able to contribute in any little way. And one of our former players, Kaylee Rafter is now the head coach. So it's cool to see everything that we've learned together as players and coaches here now helping the national team grow. So yeah, it's just a really full circle moment. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it really is. I'm sure the Olympics were quite, was, were quite an experience. So you were named the head coach at FSU in 2008 and you replaced coach Dr. Joanne Graff, who retired after 30 years as head coach did you feel the pressure taking over from such a legendary coach? Um, not really. Uh, you know, I, Sham McDonald was a coach at UNLV for some time there too. And I took over there and, um, I think I have really good relationships with a lot of the coaches that have kind of turned the tide of the game of softball. And I think Shan was one of them. Coach Graff is another. And so just always, have been at conventions and asking them questions. So I had a decent relationship. So coming into the program, um, I knew that, you know, she had built something great. So respect what she did. And then now I'm just trying to give it a little bit of different energy um, in my way. So I had a little experience with that, you know, in Vegas and, and Shan and, um, you know, and, and then Coach Graff was amazing. Like that first week we had lunch. Uh, she gave me the ins and outs of everything. She was incredible at saying, I'm not going to be over your shoulder. You do your own thing. Um, and so it just gave me a really warm feeling of like, man, go for it. You got someone in support in your corner. And, um, you know, as time went on, of course, things were a little bit different, but as time went on, so many of the alumni under her tutelage, uh, were so grateful. 
Coach Graf has been back a ton. She speaks to the team a ton. She's just she just loves the game of softball. And so that comes out in her. And hopefully that comes out in me too, uh, as we continue to pursue this, the game. Well, since you've been at FSU, of course, you've had tremendous success, including winning it all in 2018. And you've kind of been at the top of the AC, ACC for a number of years, for a number of years, but it kind of seems like since you won that national championship, other teams in the ACC are saying like, Hey, look, FSU did it. Why can't we? So yeah. Duke, Virginia Tech have really stepped up their games, and Clemson has done a great job building a very good program in a very sharp period of time. So tell me how the ACC has become much better over the last few years. Yeah, I would say that I had a little experience. So John Rittman's at Clemson, and him and I coached together at Stanford, and we together like really put blood, sweat, and tears on not being the doormat of the Pac-12 anymore, right? So – when we first came in, we had like one and a half scholarships and UCLA was like 10 time national champion, right? Like it was just, we were trying to close the gap best we could and trying to keep um, our program slowly getting better and seeing what UCLA and Arizona and Cal Berkeley and Arizona state were doing, Washington, Oregon, what are they doing? How do we get better? What are they doing? How we get better. And then, you know, coming into Florida state and having a vision of where we wanted this program to be as a coaching staff, and then, you know, finally executing it to the highest level. Now, everyone else in our conference is like, oh, what are they doing? How can we be better? What are they doing? How can we get better? So I don't necessarily think it's Florida State. I just think it's how the game is played sometimes. When you have someone in your conference that has won at a high level, the conference teams, players, and coaches can see that daily. And, you know, they're about that. So I, um, I'm so excited that, you know, the ACC flag has flown in Oklahoma City. I'm so excited that a bunch of other young student athletes can go to a different conference now and and see the vision of achieving something pretty high. And um, and it's not to say we've had great players and great teams in our conference, um, but now we're starting to be great players and great teams consistently and consistent RPI and and consistently at the end of the year. And um, that's really, really fun to be a part of. And um, it's now a dogfight in the weekends. And it wasn't like that before, you know, and now it's like, we used to have an RPI schedule pre-conference and now we have an RPI schedule in conference and uh, just really fun to just have that dogfight week in and week out. Yeah, it, it really is. I made the trip up to Clemson last year for the regional. They have a, ter a terrific uh, facility, terrific fan base. So they, they, they really stepped up in a very sharp period of time. One thing I'm really impressed with about your coaching and your assistance coaching is that in 2018, when you won it all, and then in 2019, those teams were built on power. I think in 2019, your team hit 105 home runs. Then in 2021, when you were at the World Series again and you finished second, the team was totally different. It was a small ball team. It had great execution great base running, excellent pitching. So two diametrically opposed teams that were both successful. How did you do that? Yeah, Rory, I think, um, you know, at some point you get 20 games into your season. And, and, and of course, we all have September, October, and November, right? Our teams start to form in the fall. You have a general idea of what you think you're going to be. Then you get into the battles and you're 20 games in and you're getting ready to start conference. And you're like, okay, this is what we really have. And I think that's when in 2021, we could run a bit, you know, we, we take pride on the base pass for sure. And we could run a bit. And then the team offensively sat down together, like, okay, what are we good at? And what can we own right now? Since the power isn't showing up like we're used to. 
And so I would say it was a little bit of a maturity of an Elizabeth Mason, a Sid Cheryl, a Danny Morgan, those kids that had been around started to go to scrappy mode and they appreciated scrappy mode. And then we just hit that hot hand and, yeah. you know, it was, it was super fun. The failure in the at-bats was not a failure because it was about striking out in 10 pitches versus four, you know, like they just really like glommed on to like scrappy and fight. And uh, it was really fun to see them, not just me as a coach telling them, like them coming together with the thoughts and ideas of what to be and how to be it. Yeah, that all makes sense. So you got to figure out who your team is. So I guess we can focus on this year's team. Uh, first of all, I know last year it didn't end like you wanted it to. Mississippi State showed up in Tallahassee and won the regional there. It's a new year. I've seen some polls. You're ranked number three in one, number four in another. And you have some fantastic returnees and some new faces. So let's start in the circle with Katherine Sandercock. Most people know who she is, of course. I think she's one of the best pitchers in the nation, if not the best. Um, you also have two transfers coming in, one from Arizona State, one from Boston University, and two freshmen, plus you also have Emma Wilson. So tell me about your players in the circle. Yeah, um, I think there'll be like a lot of new faces that people aren't used to seeing. I think D. Watt, Daniel Watson, and Kat took a lot of the innings last year. And, um, you know, and of course, I'm so proud of Kat. She continues to reinvent herself every year and just grows and matures, and she's just so much fun. And that polished part of your junior senior year as a pitcher is just as a coach, like you're just so excited for them and their opportunities ahead. And Kat is really primed and ready to, to contribute for the team's success. Um, but then she's also over a bunch of new faces. We have six other pitchers there. Um, Emma's of course been in our bullpen and she's growing and, you know, I'm going to contribute as much as she can. Um, she's had a lot of opportunities, you know, throughout the years, but she's had some really good pitchers ahead of her. So now it's like her time to shine and, and start to help, uh, you know, with innings and and uh, do what she can do. But when you look at Ali Dubois, Mac Leonard, two transfers, very successful. Allison Royalty, a transfer, successful. Um, maybe as fans or people don't get to watch them here in the uniform just as long as they do cat, but they still have experience in college. So I would expect them to fall back on their collegiate experience, even though Mac pitched for us a bit last year. But just really start to show to fill a lot of the innings that Daniel Watson had, um, you know, pitched for us last season. So um, I think it's a little bit we've always had a good battery mindset, but this year it's a little bit bigger battery right. mindset. And um, and I'm super excited about McKenna Reed and um, uh, Maddie Bach, our two freshmen. I always love the freshmen, the bright eye. They don't know what they're getting into. Um, you're seeing their growth a lot bigger, um, in the bullpen every single day and on the field. So, um, I think Kat's been great as a leader for them. Uh, Allie Mack has been great as a leader for them. Um, but I see all of them contributing to us this year. Yeah. So softball has changed. Like you mentioned, you have a battery of pitchers. You can't do it with just one in today's softball world. So it sounds like you have quite a great staff looking at the team defensively. Do you have everything set or are there decisions to be made as to who starts where? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a pretty good returning squad, right? Like there's a lot of people um, that could anchor down positions, but I also think like a Janai Kerr, a Howway Kaser, um, you know, they had knee injuries are on, they, they've been growing uh, their fall was tremendous. I'm really excited for their contributions to the team at a little higher level. Um, I think like, you know, the mainstays of Kaylee Harding and Def Flaherty and Mac Leonard, who had great seasons last year, Michaela Edenfield, but they're your older and wiser. Um, the biggest thing, Rory, is everything was going to plan. And then we hit that one game and Mississippi State got us. And the 
the reality is like, respect the game. We did that to a lot of people for many years. You got to respect the game, tip your cap, and then figure out how to get to work to be better, to endure. You know, we had a number two seed. We, we were doing really good things. And just, we got a little bit, um, maybe stubbed our toe or Mississippi State just, it was, everything was right for them, you know, and sometimes swallowing that and be like, okay, hey, get back on the horse and get after it. So that is what has bound us a bit this year is continue to be what we were. It was an incredible season. Don't let that one feeling linger and and be better. And so I think our veteran mindset is going to come from the offense. It's coming from the players who are in the moments before. Um, it'll come from Cat a bit too. And then wrap your arms about new faces and a new third baseman, Christina Hartley, Avery, right? Sid Cheryl, incredible. New new third baseman, love it up. Watch that person grow. And so we can be better as we get towards the end of the season. I realize it's not 20 games into the season, but do you think you're going to have a power hitting team or more of a team that manufactures runs? I think we're going to be a bit a little of the manufacturer mindset uh, early on. Um, I think um, as we start to get comfortable, we have a lot of people to get opportunities to. So I think when you go into that 20 games, we have a we may have a sliding lineup quite a bit. And then as maybe we start to roll into the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State series is when we start to solidify the lineup because of the sample size that we've been able to get. So um, so early on, I think it's a little manufacturing, a little feeling out, little opportunity. Combine all that to start to streamline as we get into the mid part before ACC conference part. So that's a little bit of the vision right now always can change week two. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of the vision, Roy. So uh, the Seminoles and Cajuns will meet down in Clearwater for the Clearwater Classic. What do you know about the Cajuns? Um, just always appreciated the passion. I think if you throw a Raging Cajun jersey up there, it doesn't matter who's wearing it, what the logo is. Like there's very, there's pride and passion in those colors and in that jersey. And um, I preach, appreciate that, Jerry. Um, he's very prideful and very passionate and, uh, have always respected that about him. Um, uh, I know very talented, uh, you know, they really sell out for them and their identity. Um, you know, so they're going to step to the, step to the rubber, step to the box, step to the field, ready to do what they do and really embrace that. And, uh, it's always scrappy and, um, always passionate. Yeah. So, uh, I think that comes from the fan base, uh, might come from the environment there. Um, you know, I, I just really feel the culture, you know, of the people in the program uh, of that. So, yeah, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Now, I lived for a year in Tallahassee. Tallahassee is a beautiful city. It's practically in a forest. And I think it would be great if the Cajuns and Seminoles kind of did a home and away series ever so often. The Cajuns could experience playing at Joanne Graff Field and the Seminoles could see what it's like at Yvette Gerard Field at Lampson Park and experience some Cajun hospitality. What do you think? Yep. I would love that. You know, it's funny. Um, I When I played at Oklahoma, I played there and they had the gong out in left field and they were every time someone made a mistake, they you know, the left field lounge was getting after us. And so the experience was incredible. We've talked about it. Uh, Jerry and I, we've worked on trying to get a home and away. So it has been the works for three or four years now, and it's going to happen. It definitely will happen. Oh, that sounds great. I'm looking how oh, that would be fantastic. Well, listen yeah. again, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Best of luck in Clearwater and best of luck this season. I hope it's a great year for you. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. Rory, thank you. It's always fun to have people so passionate about the game and and really interested in the the team part and the makeup. So thank you for this opportunity to share. And yeah, go softball. Here we go, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. So there you have it, my interview with Florida State head coach Lonnie Alameda. It's really nice to hear her say she would love to do a home and away series with the Cajuns. I think that would be great for both teams. Just a reminder, the Cajuns in Florida State will play down in Clearwater, Florida on February 19th. That's a Sunday. The game starts at 12 noon. Again, a lot of thanks to Coach Alameda for taking the time. You know, she's got a very busy schedule, and she was nice enough to do that for me and for your enjoyment as well. That's all I've got for you. This is the Roar Man saying, as always, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, tell a friend, see you at the ballpark, and go Cajuns!